Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 6, and I want to go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about what's going on. We learned the last couple of weeks uh, by looking at the church, looking inside the church and seeing what's going on. And all of a sudden, we take a look at the church, and we're going, and we're seeing what's happening, and seeing what's taking place, and we see their generosity, we see their greed, and we see what happens, and last week, Jerry preached a message, and I would, I would give you an illustration over last week's message, okay? It's when Aaron Judge from the New York Yankees and John Carlos Stanton hit a home run at the same time. They put all their home run force together, and that's what happened. That message last week just really blessed my socks off, so I want to make sure that you listen to that. I can continue to follow along. If you miss a Sunday, follow along on the podcast. So basically, what we're taking a look at right now is we're taking a look at there's a complaint that arises inside the church. No way, right? That's never happened before, ever, this is the only time, it's the first church, it's First Baptist Church of, well, no, no, I'm just kidding. It's the only church that we have right now, and it's sitting back here, and we're saying that there's a complaint that arises in the church. Thought we might have a little fun this morning before we, as we jump into the text, and talk about common complaints that maybe we've all heard, found these online, hopefully you'll enjoy them, and maybe you'll even be able to finish some of the statements. The sermon is too long, said no one at Northwest. Right. The pastor is boring. The pastor is too lively. They always talk about money. Common complaints among the church. The music is too loud. The music is too soft. <laughs> I'm not getting spiritually fed here. No one cares about me. No one has welcomed me. I I'm not connected. You know, there's, there's not a lot of new songs. And then there's another one that's, there's not enough old songs. <laughs> you can see that there are complaints that rise up. And this is, this last one's by Tom Rainer. It says, we need a group for cat lovers. And let me assure you that if we did have a group for cat lovers, it would be a small group. <laughs> no. And yeah. And so, so here, <laughs> here's where we are right now. Here's where we are. We're taking a look at the early church in Acts chapter 6, and we're finding out that there's a complaint that has arose. And we need to, be un we need to understand that Satan, Satan is defeated. And what we also need to understand is that he is trying to come in this side of glory, this side of heaven. He is trying to come inside the church to disrupt the church. And what we want to take a look at is we want to see what, how these folks responded to a complaint that arose in the church, how they handled it, and what the solution was and what the result was, okay? So let's take a look at Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7. Acts 6, 1 through 7. Here's where it goes. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Verse 4, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Verse 5, And when they said, the, and when they said 
And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man of full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurius, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, and the proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and I love this part, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And so our text right now is going to demonstrate to you and I how the church works best when there is a community of servants using their gifts to accomplish the mission of the church and making sure that we stay focused on preaching the word of God as well as caring for people, but not at the expense of each other. They do not need to war against each other nor be in competition of each other. And so I've broken down the text really in three ways. So there's, there's, there's the problem, there's the solution, and then there's the result. And after we talk about what the problem is, we're going to have a lesson that we can learn about the problem. After we talk about the solution, we'll have another lesson. And after we talk about the result, we'll have a final lesson that we'll have through this morning. So the first thing that we want to see is what is the problem? What's going on? We know, as I just read the text, that it says there's a complaint by the Hellenists that arose against the Hebrews. Because their widows were being neglected in daily distribution. Here's what we have to understand of the two people that are, that are the two groups of people that are here in the early church. We have the Hellenists. They were Greek-speaking Jews that really were really influenced by the Roman culture. So they were Jews. Jews believe that they're waiting on the Messiah to come. Well, they come back in for Passover and Pentecost, and all of a sudden they come to faith in Christ. They want to hear the apostles' teaching, but these are the Hellenists. They're the Greek speaking Jews. They also are the more theologically liberal compared to the Hebraic Jews or the Jews that are in Jerusalem. So you have the Greek speaking Jews. They would possibly say, yes, we can wear shorts to church on Sunday, even flip-flops, okay? Then on the other side, you have the Hebrews. Now the Hebrews are, we are going to wear a tie only, okay? They're more strict in their observances of the, the, the traditional Jewish uh, religious system. So then you have these two groups right here. You have the Hebrews, the traditional, the Hebraic Jews, the traditional group. Then you have the Hellenists, and you have the Greek-speaking Jews that are on the outside. And what's going on is that the early church is gathered up of both of them, but the Hellenists are sort of on the outside. Okay, they're on the outside sort of looking in. And, and the problem with that is some of their widows are not being taken care of as the text says. Now, it's Jewish tradition. It is it is actually something that is incredibly important to Jewish culture, Jewish tradition, that we basically, the, the Jewish community takes care of the widows. You do not leave them off on unto their own. You are to take care of them. And so the Hellenists, even though they might be a little bit different than the, the, the Hebraic Jews, they realize, wait, hey, we, we need to address something here because we have widows. They're going without. They need stuff. And we're on the outside looking in. You could also see in the text that you have the Hebraic Jews and you have the Hellenists. There, could, there, there seems to be some type of a, a, a racial or a cultural war that's going on as well. And so here's the problem that we're looking at right now. And, and so they bring this complaint, they bring this complaint over to the, uh, to, to the apostles. And, and if we take a look from our standpoint, we take a look from our standpoint, the, basically the text says in 1 Timothy 5.3 that we're to take care of widows as is the opportunity for us to do so. Uh, James 1.27 says pure and undefiled religion is to take care of the widows and the orphans. 
take care of the widows and the orphans. So it is a responsibility of the, of the community of faith for us to be able to take care of these folks. But today, what I want us to do is to make sure we understand the context, but not be limited by the context in the way that we care for each other. I think it's incredibly, incredibly important that we see this. And we also have to understand that sometimes, sometimes, we who have complaints, we who are invoicing complaints, or here we, we hear complaints, that we have to really take a look at, is this really a complaint, or is it something selfish? Because what we don't want to do is we don't want this to disrupt the, 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 the ministry and the focus of the, uh, preaching the word of God in the church. And so here's, here's what happens. A lot of times when something comes in our way that, that, that we're really passionate about, we might complain about it or suggest that it's a problem and therefore it might distract from the main issue of teaching and preaching the message of the gospel. Well, when they took a look at this, this was not a, a, a trumped up complaint. It was legitimate. They, they were not being cared for. But we have to be really careful that we don't hear. We don't hear these complaints and all of a sudden go crazy. Let me, let me give you to our point, our, our lesson number one. Here's lesson number one. The Spirit of God is the filter to see the important over the urgent. Say it again for you. The Spirit of God is the filter to see the important over the urgent. There are a lot of good things that come our way. But you know the enemy of something that is great is something that's good. Because we take something that's great and we say, this is a greater thing. But we settle sometimes for something that's good. We must be really, really careful when we look at the church. Because here it is. We have a mission. It's the greatest mission in the world. The local church, what God is going to do through and in the local church. We, Northwest Community Church, are a small part of something much bigger than ourselves. It is not all up to us, but our part is up to us as we rely upon the Spirit of God to do the work of God to, to fulfill our mission of God. And, and, and right now, sometimes, when we take a look at it, we can sometimes get distracted by complaints, and we need God's Holy Spirit to allow us to filter what is important over what is urgent. I can tell you this right now, that I personally have a PhD in people-pleasing. Okay, I, I, it's okay, I, I suffer. It's an idol of mine, I realize that. But if you come to me with an issue, I'm gonna stop, drop, roll, and try to fix, okay? And some of you are, are made that way too. But, but, but it's incredibly important that we rely upon God, Holy Spirit because in Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says that the Holy Spirit comes into us to give us the power, not only the power to witness, but the power to filter through what is most important and what is most effective as it pertains to the local church and inside the church. Because what we do not want is for something to happen on the inside to ruin what we're trying to do for the mission of God. And the Spirit of God gives us the discernment to be able to do that so that sometimes we don't just react, sometimes we don't just overly complain about something that is urgent when in essence it's not that urgent. Uh, a situation happened to me several years ago where we were celebrating my birthday and I love red velvet cake and so we had red velvet cake for my birthday. At that particular time, my daughter was two, my son was three, 
And Dana was extremely pregnant with number three. That would be my third son. That's Luke. And so we celebrated my birthday. It was January the 6th. We had cake. Molly's sitting in a high chair. She's having red belly cake. No problem. Everything's great. That night we wake up and we hear something through the baby monitor. And of course, Dana is extremely pregnant. And so I go in because the dad that I am, <laughs> and I walk over in there and I thought, oh no. I pick up the monitor. I go, Dana, Molly is bleeding everywhere. Police call 911. She is bleeding everywhere. Call 911 now. Dana comes walking in kind of like this. And she looks at me in typical wife calmness, no urgent, goes, she had red velvet cake. She threw up. Get a towel. <laughs> While you're doing that, I'm going to do the dishes and do the laundry and do everything else that needs to be done in this house. No, I, I just tell you, I'm like shameful walking for a towel. Okay, if you know me well, I yes, I was dry heaving. Um, and... and <laughs> And so here is the deal sometimes. Sometimes situations come in our life where we go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and we freak out. All of a sudden, what we have to do, especially in the life and ministry of our church, is to make sure that the gospel goes forth and it is heralded and it is protected and the preaching of the word happens, but the care of the people is not neglected. And sometimes our complaints, really honestly, they're not really complaints. They're selfish ambitions. And that is why, listen to me, that is why we need, desperately need to be spirit-led and it is overwhelming me what that looks like. To be spirit-led so that we allow the spirit to filter in us what is important over what is urgent. And I would say this right now. As I'm sitting here and I'm writing this this week, I'm asking the Lord to allow my actions to catch up to that truth. I'm like, okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to stand in front of the folks on Sunday, and I'm going to preach this to myself, and they're just going to be listening. Okay? That's just what's going to happen. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God would allow me and allow you and allow us to see the important over the urgent. That's our lesson number one. Because after all, here it is, here it is. Sometimes when we just have these complaints, we just need to go all frozen on them. Let it go. I'm not going to say. Okay. Rely on the Spirit to filter your complaints. Here it is, number two. Allow the Spirit of God to filter our complaints. Number two is the solution. Here it is, okay, we have a complaint, and it's, and it's, it's brought before this, before the, the, the apostles here. And then it comes in verse two, and we're like, okay, so what are we gonna do about this? And it said, the first thing they said in verse two, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God and serve tables. I wanna make sure you understand, it does not mean that they're better than serving tables, it means that they know what they were placed on, they know what they were gifted to do and placed here to do. And it's not that they were better than that, and we can see that down here in verse five where it says, and what, excuse me, in verse four it says, but we will devote ourselves to the prayer and the ministry of the word. And when they had said this, down in verse six it says, they laid hands on them and they prayed over them. It does not mean that they were better than that. It means that, hey, we wanna be most effective so that we can be most efficient with what we're here to do. This is a grand task that we are here to do, and that is to make sure that we preach and teach and care for people and not neglect one or the other. And so, okay, so here, here's, here's the solution. The solution is, is, number one, they say, hey, it's an organizational issue. We gotta figure out how to do this. So they come down and they say, okay, verse three, it says, therefore, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take men of good repute um, we're going to take men full of the spirit. We're going to take, we're going to take some folks and we're going to be, we're going to really, really divide people up and say, Hey, we've got teams of people that can organize this stuff. And what I want you to know something right there is, is this, 
is that we're not here at Northwest Community Church just going to throw people in leadership without doing background checks or serving in ways that just say, hey, you have a pulse? Then great, you can serve. You're going to be with middle school kids. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that there is a process here. This is, this is radically important for us to understand that, hey, hey, what we're going to do is we're not just going to put, just throw everybody without thinking. They're going to be effective. They're going to be organized because that's what God deserves. God is a God of order. He is not a God of chaos. And we don't want that to be, be demonstrated in our church. We want to be spiritually organized so that the message of the gospel can go forth. And so they, they get these folks. And then lesson number two is what I, I want you to sort of see. We have the solution, and the solution is, is you know, is really clear. Hey, this is, this is what we want to do. The care in the church is best accomplished by a community of servants, not just the professionals. The care in the church is best accomplished by a community of servants, not just the professionals. As we get bigger, what's going to happen is we will have growing pains. And if we're not carefully organized, then what happens is we're going to be frustrated, disorganized, and not affected in what we're here to do. And so what we do is we don't sit there and say, hey, hey listen, you know what? Northwest Community Church has four full-time staff people. And if you count Angie, we have six. <laughs> okay? I mean, I mean, the lady is superiorly gifted and talented. But, but here's what we have. But if 30 people, I read an article and it said one person can effectively care for 30 people. One person can effectively care for 30 people. If you take our church of 534 people, active members that are mostly coming on Sunday mornings, okay? Then we're going to be really inefficient if we just say, hey, you know what? You staff, you guys take care of all 534 of them. We won't be effective in doing that. However, what we will do is we will be effective in helping and raising up and saying, hey, listen, you are invited to participate in the greatest movement that's ever been known and that will never fail, and that is the church. You have been invited because Matthew 16, I've told you this again, I'm going to tell, you to tell it to you again. It is Matthew, when, when Peter asks, when, when God asks P Peter, who do you say to him? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we're sitting here and we are invited to do our part, our, our part, the little C of the big C, right here at Northwest to make much of Jesus by caring for each other, serving each other, and making sure that every single week, every single Sunday, every single Monday, we hear God's word and we are sent out to proclaim God's word. And that is the issue what we're trying to look at right here. There is a complaint they came in and they had a way to solve it. And the way of solving it was inviting people to be involved of the greatest mission in the world. I, I want to celebrate a life group this past week. And, and the reason I love celebrating this is we, we had a guy in our church, his name is Tim Kennedy and Jeanette Kennedy. They, said, they had an idea. They said, hey, let's, um, they're part of Ronnie Lyle, Lonnie and Debbie's life group. Let's, um, let's, let's do a dinner on Sunday night, February the 11th, I think it was, and let's do a dinner for all of the people in the church that either come, that don't have, uh, they're, they're not married, they're either widowed, divorced, um, their husbands don't come, whatever the case is. Let's invite them to the house, sit them down. They even brought in a Christian comedian, okay? And, and, and there's pictures up here that you can see about how this group did exactly what we're talking about. Saying, hey, listen, these folks right now, we want to make sure that they are loved, 
around uh, Valentine's Day, we want to make sure that 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 message of the gospel resonates deep within their hearts. They might be missing loved ones or the relationship might not be where it can be or should be. But what we want to do as a life group is we want to love on them and care for them. And we want to not let them know that we deeply, deeply care about them. So you can see the pictures on the screen. And I just want you to know something, that God is not asking you or me to do everything, but he is asking you to do something. I'll say it again. He's not asking you to do everything, but he's asking you to do something. Because here's one of the greatest, greatest disservices you can do to your family. If you have kids and you're coming to church and you're not in service, listen, this might be harsh, but I want to make sure you hear this. If you're coming to church and not serving, you you are sending a message that the church is a country club. It is just a place to sit and to soak. This place is the greatest movement that we'll ever know. And you are invited to come be a part of that so that we can effectively care and shepherd and herald the greatest message in the world. I know you've heard me say that, but that's what we're here for. And the organization of the church is paramount for the church to accomplish her mission. And when everybody is invited, when everybody is invited, when everybody steps up to do a part, then man, we can do our part. We can do our part. The church is not a noun. The church is a verb. The church is a verb. So let's get after it. You know, we don't want to see you sitting on the sidelines. We want to see you come from the bleachers to the field. Let's go. Let's go. So we're invited to participate. What will you say yes to today? And what I'm asking you to do is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Because here, Jerry and I and the staff, we can motivate you for a month. But you know what Jesus can do? He can overwhelm you with his great grace we talked about the last two weeks. And you can jump in and find a place that you are passionate about and that you are serving. Let me just say something right now. You don't need to be spiritually gifted to do set up or pull the trailer. Just do it. Just do it. And then here we take a look at here is that you can raise your hand, you can say yes, but I'll get two to three weeks out of you. But I'm telling you something right now, as I'm praying for you to be spirit-led, for me to be spirit-led, when God's spirit comes upon you, we will not know what has hit us. And I can't wait for that to happen. And I'm begging for that to happen. I, am, I have sensed just an unbelievable presence of God's spirit, and I am so overwhelmed right here on Sunday mornings. In my own life, I cannot believe that I get to sit here and talk and pray to the one who raised Lazarus from the dead. I cannot believe that he hears me. And it's overwhelming to me. Overwhelming. So what is the solution? Um, What is the solution? The solution is this. The lesson from the solution is this, is that the care of the church is best accomplished by a community of Servants, not just professionals. And the result, here's the result right now. I love this. The result is verse five. And, what, and, when, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. It pleased the whole gathering. So here you are, you're sitting there going like this. Well, of course, the, the, the Hellenists are gonna be really excited because they're getting cared for. But the beautiful thing about this is that the, the, the guys that they appointed all have Gentile names or Greek names. And so the, the early church got together and they saw, hey, how are we going to do this? Well, they bring in these folks that have, have, a, have a Greek background. 
which is great unity that's taking place. It's great participation. It's like, well, thank you for that complaint and thank you for that problem. We'll solve it over here. No, he said, hey, come in here. We, we're gonna solve it. We're gonna fix this thing. We're gonna do this together. And, and so he, here, here is the solution there, and the, or excuse me, the result. The result is they were incredibly pleased. And then the, the, the result again was, verse seven says, and the word of God. I wanna make sure you understand that's the third time that that phrase has been said in the seven verses that I've read this morning. It's the third time. So my, my action step for you is that you continually pray, especially for Jerry and myself and Adam in a couple of weeks, who stands up here and preaches this beautiful, beautiful word of God that it would, it would, we would preach it with being filled by God's spirit. And that it would not just be simply preached up here, but it would be preached out there. And so the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The priests, I mean, <laughs> these are priests. They're, they're, they're spiritual leaders in the temple and they're coming to faith in Christ, not by Pentecost or Peter's message. They're coming to say, they're coming to faith in Christ when the folks on the inside are getting organized. That's beautiful. That's overwhelming to me. And here's the beauty of the result. The result is, is that the church grew in disciples. It did not grow in converts because converts fill a church and disciples change the world. And here's what he says in, 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 in a disciple by John Piper is, defi is defined like this. The standard definition of disciple is someone who ad adheres to the teachings of another. It is a follower or a learner. It refers to someone who takes up the ways of someone else. Applied to Jesus, the disciple is someone who learns from him to live like him. Someone who, because of God's awakening grace, conforms his or her words and ways to the words and ways of Jesus. Or you might say, as others have put it in the past, disciples of Jesus are themselves little Christs. And that is how the church was growing. And it says that it was growing. It was, the disciples were being multiplied. Everywhere else in the text, it's saying they were added, they were added, they were added. And here it says they were multiplied. Lesson number three, our final lesson for the morning is this. When the church is organized as a community of servants, we get to see why we are here. When the church is organized as a community of servants, we get to see why we are here. Matthew 28 says for us to go and make disciples. We take a look at how there was a problem, then there was a solution, and then we look at what took place. The disciples kept growing. So, so what happens? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. The word was still preached. So then people were coming to faith in Christ and they were growing up in their Christ. Here's what happens. God's desire for a church is for it to grow. But I wanna make sure you understand that I am most importantly talking about biblical growth, which is spiritual growth, not numerical growth. And that's what his desire is. So the early church had a problem. They had a solution and they saw a great result. In the midst of that, we see great lessons about when a community of servants comes together, answers an invitation to participate for the glory and the fame of his name. I think it's important as we take a look at the complaints that we have let's make sure we filter them through the holy spirit when we look at solutions let's make sure that it is a greater 
option, not just something good. And a greater option is when all people understand they have an invitation to jump on board and to serve the greatest movement in the history of man. It's the local church. And finally, I say this in closing right now is I just want to make sure you understand because I don't know where any of you are here today. Some of you might be guests or whatever the case is. Maybe you've been involved for a long time, but there is a radical, radical problem in the world today and that is that we are separated from God because of sin. It is a problem. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You are separated from God not because, because you are born as a sinner. Okay? You're born in sin. We don't, we don't come into the world and then become sinners. We are born into the world as sinners and there needs to be something that's a problem and it needs to be fixed. And here's what I want you to know something is that the solution was demonstrated in the love of God because Romans 5, 8 says um, God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So here's what I'm telling you right now. I know we're talking about organization and care and being effective with the gospel and being effective with our mission but I want you to know something right here. I don't want you to leave without knowing this, is that there is a problem and there is a solution and it is Jesus. Don't ever, ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is beautiful. It is why we exist. So therefore, let us organize ourselves to herald that message and not let anything get in the way of it. Holy Spirit, we ask you in Jesus' name to lead us. We come to you at this moment and at this time to ask you to fill us, to lead us. We have some time here, God, and we're just asking you to move. Whatever the case may be, let us be aware of the issues that are around us. Let us be aware of the, of the problems that are around, of, of, of the care needs that are going around us. Lord, we want to, in Jesus' name, be directed to people who just need to hear that you love them. And through the power of your spirit, over the next two songs, I'm just asking you to move in us and on us. And Lord, I pray that you would inspire, that you would move, that you would transform people who are not serving at all to really jump in and help us do what we are here to do. We love you, we thank you, and we lift up your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.